for those of you who don't know Claire, well, I'll just give a bit of an introduction to Claire and then we'll talk through how we're going to structure the session. So, so Claire is relatively new to triathlon. She only started, I think it's back in 2016. She was a top age grouper and she'll cover this in more detail. But since then, she turned pro back in May 2019, winning the Outlaw Half in a ridiculous time of 4 hours and 38. And I think at least two of the ladies on this call have done that course. So that's a, a target for, for some of you for next year uh, or for this year. You then had a bit of a sort of a, a sort of a enforced rest period from your pro uh, debut due to the pandemic. Uh, went back in 2022, uh, regained your pro license this time at the Outlaw Fall. So going even longer in a time of 9.36 same year you, you you podiumed at the uh, Spanish long distance champs uh, and then a year later just for fun went even longer and you were the female winner of the Keltman Extreme Triathlon 2023 in 13 hours and, and a little bit of change I, I think that's a pretty have I missed anything out Claire uh, no that that sums it, up, sums it up quite nicely of the uh, yeah the main achievements yeah Brilliant. So I think a lot of people on this call have done those events. They know how difficult it is to train for it. As age groupers, um, you know how to sort of do that work-life balance. And Claire's going to sort of unpack that in a bit more as a professional triathlete. Um, so the way we're going to structure this evening is we're going to talk about Claire's background, sporting history, what got her into, into triathlon in the first place. We're then going to unpack you know, what made her decide to turn pro as being a sort of a, a fairly sort of great age grouper and how she really balances turning pro with holding down a full-time job. Uh, and then the last thing is we'll ask her to share some of her sort of lessons, secrets for success, things that we could potentially take away as age groupers and get a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. So just to sort of start off, Claire, so we really want to focus on high performance, get the best out of ourselves, whether we're pro or, or, or new to the sport. So can I ask you just to start, what does high performance mean to you? Yeah, so um, I've had a good think about this and I don't think high performance is simply about obviously being the best in the sport or getting top spots on the podium. Um, and really because everyone has different levels of what they can achieve. Everyone has different things in their lives, a different uh, physiology, makeup. But I think high performance is everything else that goes into getting you to the start line of an event or reaching a goal. So basically like performing to the best of your own ability by being motivated with the desire to achieve your dreams and your goals. So really like to me, high performance, it's about the hard work, the graft, the hours you put into reaching your own potential because I'm not saying by any means I train um, harder than anyone else you'll probably do very similar go out for your, your long rides and things so to me the high performance is putting in that hard work into your training and your racing even if we don't all achieve the same level and um, we've all put in that that time and that effort and to me that's the high performance. Yeah, great. And I, I think I think as, as an athlete myself, and I'm sure everyone on the call would concur, is, you know, showing up every day, doing the best that you can, being motivated and probably being consistent as well. That that, that builds up, doesn't it? That compounds year over year, session over session. Um, yeah, I absolutely. Really I mean, you see everyone at the events, at triathlons, there's such a mixed bag of people, but whoever wins the race and whoever is the last finisher you've all worked equally as hard to get over that that finishing line 
Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at some of those things when we go into some of the events and some of your achievements in, in, in a moment. So so if we wind back to the start, um, what tell us a bit about your, your sporting backgrounds, your favourite sports, you know, what, what sort of led you to, to sort of, you know, dabble into triathlon in the first place? Yeah, well, I mean, I've always been into sports and um, from a young age, I just wanted to do every single sport at school. Um, so I guess I never really focused on one particular sport whilst at school because I just really wanted to do everything. Um, and it wasn't until I was 26 or 27 years old when I decided I wanted to focus on triathlon. I actually grew up in Geneva, so I was quite lucky to have the ability to do things like skiing and ice skating, which we even had for PE sessions, which is crazy when I think of it now. Um, pretty different to triathlon. But I think I've always just had that ingrained in me, just that sport side. And my family's very, very competitive. So I've always had that drive as well within me. Um, when I've been competing in, in whatever sport I was trying, I wanted to be the best in it. And so with regards to triathlon, I actually got into triathlon because my elder brother decided one day he was going to go out to do Ironman 70.3 Barcelona. And I don't even think I'd heard of triathlons yet. And he went off to do the 70.3 as his first ever triathlon. Um, and obviously, once I heard about that, I decided I wanted to do one and I wanted to beat him um, in it. But I didn't do the quite the same way. I didn't jump into a 70.3 um, because to me, that's just a bit crazy. So I did go off and do a sprint triathlon first, but still very novice. I'd never run off the bike, very limited swimming. I think it was in a pool and I did breaststroke um for the 750 but it was just the atmosphere um as you all know at triathlons you have novices there people that have never done one before and I just fell in love with it I just the whole experience was great um and what was quite nice recently I relived that experience because I did the New Year's Day triathlon which is held in Edinburgh um by Edinburgh triathletes and it was amazing there were so many new triathletes there that had absolutely no idea what they were doing and it just reminded me where I began and that very first triathlon when I had to have someone explaining to me this is the mountain line you get on your bike after this line not before all of those little things that you just forget about yeah that I mean I, I think it is a I think an inclusive sport and I've done events and there's a lot more events now where they're making it a festival so there are people completely new they rock out with their mountain bikes or their, their their cross bikes and then at the other end you've got the pointy helmets and and the, and the really expensive carbon so I think it is it's quite quite good to remind you know the diversity of the sport that we're we're in. Um, just coming back to sort of you, you mentioned you're, you're really competitive. You mentioned the sibling rivalry. Was you competitive within the family, or were you competitive at school? So when you did skiing, were you did you strive to be the best skier? Did you sort of you know, have any sort of success as a, a early athlete in 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 those sports? Yeah, yeah, I've always. Um wanted to sort of be competitive even individually without my siblings involved so um I'd say the the sport I focused on the most at school was my running um like on the athletics track and then my skiing and um in both of them I was really competitive and um achieved what I wanted to at a sort of a school age level um it was quite unfortunate I left Switzerland when I was 16 um and when I came back to the UK my skiing of it, it dropped because it's not quite as easy to do once you're in the UK you don't live next to the Alps anymore so I kind of dropped my skiing and um, 
I joined a new school and the sports were very different at the new school to what we did in Switzerland. They had things like netball and I'd never played netball or hockey. So actually for a few years, I didn't really do much sport once I had moved over when I was 16 between my later A-level years, which is down in England when you're sort of 17, 18. And then at university, I didn't do any sports and I picked it back up once I left university. So I good, I did have a good sort of five years of not doing much sport at all. <laughs> Yeah, but that desire has been there to be compete, to get the best out of yourself. And I yeah, guess, you always. know, yeah. And, and I guess the really important question, can you still beat your brother in a, in a sort of 70.3 or an iron distance? <laughs> yeah, he's not beat me yet and he'll hate, he Brilliant. hates it. But I do have now the upper edge because he's got two children and I've got no dependents. So I, he kind of takes that one out on me. But at the moment, I've still got a record in the family of 70.3 long distance and a marathon. They've not beat me yet. So uh, <laughs> holding on to that for as long as I can. Brilliant. So so you obviously had some great success as, as an age grouper. You come back to the UK. What Can you talk us through at what point did you decide, actually, I think going pro in this sport is a reality, an option, a choice? Yeah, so... I started with a coach in 2017 and that was sort of early season in April. So I raced age group 2017-2018 and in 2018 is when I had some good results. I think I was the BTF middle distance champion in my age group. I did really well at the Outlaws and some 70.3s and at the end of the 2018 season when you're sort of reflecting on how the season has gone and talking to your coach, I just seemed to remember him planting the seed in my head about some of my results had been so close to what you needed for the qualifying times to become pro. And he sort of planted the seed that in 2019, why don't we try go for it and see if I can get the results to be able to apply for my license. So I honestly, before that, hadn't ever considered about going pro. Um, it really was sort of, him planting the seed in my head to do it and sort of giving me that confidence that I could do it because you just you need someone there to see like I've got that vision I think I can help you get there we can do this and this so he planted the seed and um, then in 2019 went for it by going to race outlaw half which the um, the what you needed to get to get your pro license was very tight you literally just had to win it there was no qualifying time for it. you just had to flat out win it and uh so I managed to achieve that, which again was unexpected but amazing all at the same time. Yeah, and and, and working with your coach, were you quite strategic on the event choices that you selected based on your your strengths? Um, not really, to be honest. It was what was available and what I felt I could um, get to and early season. My strength is on the bike, so and I'm quite strong on hilly and flat courses. So, yeah, it wasn't too much about the event. It was just about the availability of getting to the event and being able to do it. And I wanted to do an event early season. So if you didn't achieve it at your first event, you still had time for the rest of the season to try again. Yeah, yeah. And when you made that, that shift and clearly you won back in sort of 2019, how did you fit the training in? you know and, and did much change from building to become a pro to now you're a pro and how do you how do you sort of manage that with a full-time job yes so obviously I do work a full-time job 37 hours COVID made a big difference in that so I got my license in 2019 and then actually got an injury and then COVID hit in 2020 and 
my job moved predominantly to working from home, which was actually such a blessing because it's given me so much more time to be able to do my training, cut out your commute. You have your lunch times available where my bike's next to me. I can jump on my bike for an hour of my lunch break. Um, and it's just given me that much more flexibility, which is great for managing a bigger level of um, training load to be able to try perform in the pro ranks. But do you find that when you sort of stepped on the podium the first time as a professional triathlete, you're looking around left or right, you've got people there that afford some athletes, they've got massive sponsorships in place, they can recover six, seven hours, you know, they've got the time to recover and rest. You're there, you've got to get in the volume and as you ramp up your training near an event, how, how does how does work and training, you know, you must have got an understanding employer do you find that there's a tension there or, or is your is your employer quite supportive of what you're doing and and, and um, gives you a bit more time or have you got to cram it in with you know the nine to five job yeah I mean I don't think my employer really knows about my pro license to be honest and <laughs> triathlon so uh, I think it's just about being good at your job um but no it's just about I think to me good communication with my coach so um she knows like what my hours are and what days I can do what so it's about making the best plan you can with um your working hours but then it's also just about for me about being really organized so I like to like prepare my kit and my equipment and everything the night before so that the next day everything's ready to go so like I'll write out my swim session get my swimming costume and everything in my bag so I get up in the morning make a coffee and I'm out the door to the pool and I just like you need to be organized so that you're as time efficient as possible but also just I guess not dwelling on sessions it's really easy when you've got a big hard session coming up and um, you kind of put it off for an hour think right I'll get out the door in half an hour and then half an hour comes and you're not quite ready mentally yet to go do that session but you literally just have to get up go not think about that session go get it done and I'm all about training in the morning I love to just do my training first thing before work and um at lunchtime because I know come evening if I'm caught up in something in work like that unexpected phone call comes in at four o'clock and then you're still on the phone an hour later and then everything just gets kind of like pushed back and then you want your dinner and things so yeah I think it's about working out what works best for you speaking with your coach and then being super organized at the same time yeah yeah totally agree and is there you know can you just talk through what what would a typical week look like can you sort of share you know sort of the the hours you're doing the sort of the the, the volume the sort of breakdown is there a sort of typical week that you can share so I guess a typical week really depends on the time of year which thankfully I don't need to think about too much because it's in my training peaks and I just follow it <laughs> that's the beauty of having a coach but my body seems to recover quite well so I do do seven day weeks I'll always have something on each day to me I don't actually like rest days I, I just feel like I've become a bit sluggish on a rest day so I always want to have something there obviously there's a lot and a lot of easy stuff thrown in um into the mix it's not all hard stuff but I do do my biggest sessions obviously on the weekends um when you've got that time available so like on a Saturday when we're leading up into event I'll probably be out for like a six hour session say like a five hour ride a one hour run and then some days you replicate that on the Sunday again so you just got like all that volume in at the weekend um, and then during the week you can have the shorter sessions but generally speaking I'll be in the pool for like an hour and a half each morning and then doing like an hour or two at lunch so 
to be honest, it's nothing mega. It's something achievable by everyone. I'd say that's working um, a full time job, obviously depending on other variants like children. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you, you know, if you're organising plans, you can find the time. You've got there's got to be a desire and a willingness to actually go out and, and do the work, isn't there? Um, you mentioned that you, you don't have a rest day on a typical sort of like you know uh, training plan. Do you, do you have a sort of an off season, or do you just switch focus? Yeah, I mean, this year I did um, Ironman Portugal uh, in October. And then when I came back after that, I actually had three weeks off and I didn't do anything, <laughs> which is really surprising to me. My coach had said, right, that's your like, have some time off, have a, as long as you want. Um, she was really relaxed on it. And if you want to do something, do something like up to an hour max each day, but make sure you're doing it because you want to do it, not because you feel like you have to. And uh, when I went into that off season this year, well, last year now, I thought, yeah, that's great. I'll definitely head out for like a run or head for some swims. But it's it was amazing that because it wasn't in my training piece and it wasn't part of like a plan to get me to a certain place, I actually ended up doing like two or three runs in the space of three weeks. I almost just felt like I didn't have time which was because I hadn't made the time because it wasn't in the training peaks and I wasn't organized. So I was sleeping in a bit longer, doing other things and just being a bit lazy sitting on the sofa. So yeah, I had three weeks off really not doing much at all. Yeah. And I think sometimes you need it physically, but also mentally, because I think when you're following a structured plan for so long uh, and it gets so intense, you, you, you need some time to sort of decompress, you know, not too much time sitting on, 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 the, on the sofa because obviously you go backwards. <laughs> so, so obviously, you know, you, you're obviously, the training's working, you know, you won Kelman, you won some, some iconic events in the UK and we'll cover off in a minute some of the stuff you're working towards for, for this year. Can you talk us a bit more about the psychological aspects of moving from an age grouper to a pro? Because I'd imagine sometimes, you know, when you make that shift and you're the, 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 the new, new kid on the clock, uh, you were on the start line. Did you ever go through this sort of imposter syndrome? Do you feel like you were you good enough? Did you have any strategies, you know, your mental coping mechanisms to to really address the sort of the the non physical side of the sport? Yeah. So I mean, imposter syndrome is a real thing. And um, when I was going for my pro license, I always thought in my head, once I achieved it, I would feel like I deserve it and that I'm ready to be there but it was completely the opposite it was um i got it and started signing up to some of these sort of iron man races the start list would come out and my name would be on it amongst these like big pros that you've always like followed and um were inspired by and you really asked like what's my name doing there and suddenly just felt like i didn't belong there and then you show up to like the pro race briefings and you look around the room at again all these big pros and you really just feel like you don't belong and that you're not ready to do this and everything else that you can imagine you think of but it really was just about having to just put yourself in at the deep end and just go for it and try not to think about that and just thinking well the worst thing that can happen is you come last and if you come last you can only get better and <laughs> improve so is it really that bad so yeah that really was a a, a massive thing but in terms of like the mental preparation alongside that was just about being confident and there's a good old saying I think it's a good old saying where like confidence breeds success and uh, may have made that up but it works and it's it's true if you're confident going into a race then you're 90% more likely to succeed in that race than if you go in not confident thinking I'm not ready for this I'm not going to 
finish or I'm not going to get the time I want, then all those negative thoughts are just going to hold you back. So yeah, it really is just about being confident in yourself, um, which I know is hard to just turn up to a race and say, right, I'm confident. You need to use your training to build that confidence. And that's what you, your training's there for. Um, so you tick off a hard session and you should remember that hard session going into race and it helps build that confidence up that you are ready to be there. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And, but, and looking at your progression today, you know, you started off at, at middle distance, you then went up to the full distance. You then went to the extreme, and then we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll, we'll discuss in a minute the ultraman and going even longer. So, you've, would you consider yourself quite mentally tough and strong and resilient? Because they that you've done that in a really short period of time. Yeah, I I do think I am quite mentally tough, but I also just love to challenge myself. I love to see what I can get out of myself, and I think that's why I keep sort of chopping and changing between as soon as I felt comfortable with the half Ironman distance, I was like, right, I want to see what I can do in a full Ironman distance. Just like that challenge, like, can I do that? And like you said, now I, I've now got these visions of, I want to do an ultra triathlon because the challenge excites me and putting myself into that hurt locker almost excites me. And I just, I love that feeling of being able to accomplish something new. Yeah. 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 And, and um, have you suffered any setbacks? since you've been training or certainly when you've been a pro athlete? Yeah. So actually when I started in 2017, I actually had constant injuries right up until, well, the end of 2019 going into 2020, it was just a bit relentless sort of I'd overcome one injury and then get another, which was really hard. But the one I got an injury in 2018 and it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because at the time it was I got the injury a week before I was flying out to Cyprus for a three months training camp which was something I knew I wouldn't get again my work had given me a secondment for three months to do full-time training I got an injury and I literally couldn't run for three months whilst I was out there no running but it meant all I did was cycle well and swim but cycle predominantly so everyone else was out running I'd be on my bike and um, it's just turned cycling into my strongest discipline. Obviously, that's back in 2018, but I became so strong back then on the bike. It's kind of just stuck with me. And it now is just like my strongest discipline. So I guess like having those injuries just let me focus on one discipline and just like become really good at it. So I guess like overcoming like a setback, like an injury, it's just about refocusing, realigning your expectations, your goals, um, and just trying to make any positives out of it. Yeah. And, and do you find, Claire, as a, as a professional athlete and triathlete, you're, you're looking at other aspects rather than just training, you're looking at sleep, you're looking at nutrition, you're looking at how you recover. Have you changed, have you changed anything to sort of, you know, improve and, and continue to be consistent and successful? Yeah, I mean, when I turned pro, it was a very steep and fast learning curve. As an age grouper, I feel like you can kind of get away with having that one strong discipline, like what I've just talked about. But as soon as you turn pro, there's no room for weakness. You have to be strong at all three, which is a really big sort of fast lesson that you sort of pick up. And you really do have to consider every single aspect or component of racing and nutrition so like you said you have to consider your recovery your mental toughness your your nutrition so they always say like there's a fourth discipline in in triathlon but actually there's really a fourth a fifth and a sixth discipline and probably more that you're always having to think about there's just so much to learn in the sport and I feel like I've always learned things the hard way in this in triathlon um like not taking on nutrition and 
not doing my recovery right and that's what's led to like my injuries and things before so yeah the learning has been immense and I, I'm obviously still learning I'm still very new at the pro level of racing and the thing yeah and I think also the the science is evolving the technology is evolving the gadgets we can put to measure our bodies now is, is changing so I think I think we're starting to see even you know the pro traffic's getting more professional and more data-driven, more science. If you look at the Norwegians and what they're doing and everyone's sort of copying the Norwegian method. And so I think the sport is is, is still a young sport and we're, we're learning all the time. And I think it's a you know, fascinating sport to be in. And, you know, there's, you know, every day's a, a you know, a school day, so, so, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's just growing at such a fast rate. It's, uh, it's amazing how fast triathlon's growing in the world. And like you said, the level that is coming out now is just immense. So, any age group is on this call or listens to this 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 podcast. What are the benefits of of becoming a, a pro triathlete? The benefits, well, obviously, the biggest one for a lot of people is going to be prize money. You can compete in sort of Ironman challenge events uh, for prize money, but also just the flexibility. So, for instance, with Ironman, you can sign up for a year's license with them. And then that means you can enter for an X amount any of their Ironman Pro races and you only have to do so 30 days before that's their cut off. So it just gives you that more flexibility to work out your year. Obviously, a lot of Ironman um, age group events will sell out like Wales, for example, uh, and you have to book it 12 months before the race. And when you you don't even know if you want to race it in 12 months, but you sign up and you pay a lot and a lot of money to enter that race. And I think, so the biggest benefit is just having like a capped um, entry fee for all the races for like Ironman and to be able to win their, um, their prize money. But it also just, it puts you on the scene. So potential sponsors are more likely obviously to sponsor you if you've got that pro license and branding behind you than they would do for an age grouper. And, and did you find that when you went pro, you, that was a consideration, the commercial side of it in terms of sponsorship, prize money, or, or did you find having the having your full-time job, there was less of a, a propensity to, to have to chase that? Yeah, I mean, um, the my full-time job obviously takes away a lot of that pressure to having to perform. And I will always sort of keep that because I don't think I'd want that pressure to have to perform for money to be able to pay your bills. I like that triathlon to me is an enjoyment and the the pressure isn't there obviously it's nice if you podium and obviously I want to because I'm competitive but I'm I don't go into a race thinking I have to because I want to get the prize money to go home and pay my bills but I was really lucky obviously triathlon is a very expensive sport and even with a full-time job it's very difficult to pay your entry fees and to get a nice bike and the cost of running shoes nowadays so I was very fortunate that I got um when I turned pro, a sponsor by a triathlon shop who helped me out immensely with um, loaning me a bike and giving me just a nice kit like a wetsuit and things, which just helps so much. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's still, you know, even if you've got a full-time job, to go, going to Kona is still expensive. <laughs> Getting accommodation in Kona is still expensive. So, so so that sort of leads me to sort of my ne- next sort of question, which is around, you know, you've, you've had a great year last year in 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 Keltman what what's the focus now what next and what's the the current challenges that you're you're working towards yeah so I did Keltman a bit without having really considered it before I'd heard about it and thought no I never want to do a race like that it's extreme I 
really bad at running on trails and in hills but once I got into Keltman and into the the training of it and getting myself out into the hills and becoming confident out there I actually just fell in love with that whole sort of extreme triathlon idea winning Keltman qualified me for the Norseman um so to be honest next year it's full focus for the Norseman to head out there and see what I can do um hopefully win it but you don't know who's going to turn up but it is just all next year is all about the Norseman and I'll do little events around it obviously to tick off so I'll be at Outlaw Half Nottingham again uh, which would be great fun um I'll be doing Challenge Wales and I'm actually just going to do as many local tries and TTs around Fife and around this area as I can do because I just think it helps with that mindset being in races and pushing yourself to the maximum and things which I didn't do enough of last year because I was just trying to do the long distance stuff so I'm going to do more of that this year um, and that's going to be my main focus for this year. Yeah and I think you know I think people on this call some of them Keltman and some of the Norsemen you know living in Scotland and being based around Scotland we are blessed with you know the terrain where you can go off and do some more specific you know events because the Norsemen I imagine your training will be very very different to to the outlaw which is you know <laughs> relatively flat isn't it? Yeah I mean I'd imagine my training would be similar to what I did for the Keltman which in my training piece I seem to remember was like a six hour ride and it was to try climb as many hills as you can within that six hours on the ride so I think I'll go do a stint up in the Highlands for a bit I know you had Ailey speak to you before when she biked over the Biakna bar and then ran up it I'll be doing something very similar to that I just don't know how you train for it outside of Scotland obviously I mean if you're down in England because I only moved up here in 2020 and where I was in Suffolk it's flat and uh, I think you'd really struggle somewhere like that to train for something like the Keltman or the Norseman yeah and what's it what's your ultimate goal race that you've got your your, your heart set on outside of you know this season next season um so like I said I want to do an ultra triathlon at some point I don't think that'll be this year but more likely 2025 because if I think the hours are long now I dread to think what the hours are going to be training for an ultra but again it's just that that challenge that I really want to do it so yeah I think an ultra triathlon in 2025 would be my next idea of what I want to do. I think when we spoke earlier, you said about the Ultraman World Championships in Kona. Do you, do you just want, for the benefit of the people listening, just <laughs> talk through what that, because, you know, an Ironman's extreme, yeah? You know, uh, the Kelt Man is even more extreme, but can you just give give the audience a, a glimpse of what else is out there for the crazies? Yeah, so an Ultraman, <clears throat> it's very similar to like the Ironman in that, you have to do an event to qualify for their world championships, which is funny enough, it also held out in Kona. But an ultra triathlon is this one's held over three days. So you do the swim and half the bike on day one, another bike on day two, and then the run. So the distances are a 10K swim. The bike, I can't remember the distance of the bike, but I'm assuming, I, I'm sure it's a double distance of the Ironman so you're like 300 it's about 170 I think it's about 170 miles I think yeah I was going to do it in kilometers but 300 something kilometers and then you're doing a double marathon at the end of that on your day three um we should do all in one day so pretty intense <laughs> yeah that's well I guess you've got you've got time to recover and so it's just a just a long course weekend in Hawaii really isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's going to be the challenges, um, which I think you'd obviously pick up in training is going day after day when you're fatigued because you're obviously going to be tired after 
a 10k swim and I think they do like a hundred mile bike or something like that. And then you're going to go into like another 180 mile bike the next day. And then you're going to suddenly do a two, uh, two marathons in one day. So it's just about learning to go again when you're fatigued. And that will be the difference. I think when an Ironman, you do it all in one and you collapse at the end, but once you've collapsed, that's it. Yeah. And I think that's where you're, going back to your mentors and that's where your mental resilience that grit that you know that's where that comes into play because the body will do what the mind tells it to do and a lot of people will give up mentally before their bodies actually uh, you give up so i think when you get into that ultra endurance i think it's 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 as much around the mental um uh, side of things than because everyone's fit on the sideline aren't they they've all done the training it's that that mental edge that you've got yeah that's that's spot on like you can push yourself so much harder than what you think you can achieve um and usually when people give up say if you dnf in a triathlon you're nowhere near your limits you just tell yourself you are and that's where it's like training to be out of your comfort zone and feeling uncomfortable and stuff that's where it's going to really prepare you for events like this to become mentally tough yeah yeah so just to sort of like summarize things up what what would be the advice you would give to any age group uh, that's thinking to to turn pro um i think it's just about the consistency in your training i think you need you need a coach and a coach that's experienced with turning age groupers into pros that would be my main one is getting a coach and just yeah the consistency i would say working hard don't fear the hard sessions i think it's hard to give any sort of one bit of advice it's just yeah it's about that hard work unfortunately it's not going to come easy but you, you'll know yourself if you're capable because you'll be towards the top ranks of the age group so if you're anywhere near the top eight ranks of the age group then you should definitely just go for it put yourself out there and, and see if you can achieve it yeah great and it is a journey isn't it you're not going to wake up tomorrow and go right i'm going to be a pro you, you're going you're going to put the hard work you're going to see see the results you're going to be on the podium you might be the third step second step first step you might win a, a British Championships, a Scottish Championship, and then and then I think that confidence, as you said, and you know, walk the walk or fake it till you make it, whatever, and and <laughs> then you 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 can put in for that that yeah. that, uh, that license. And I guess it's just about making sure everything's set up to get you there. So making sure you've got that supportive family that's going to be happy with you going out for those six hour rides on a Saturday when they want to go for lunch and you're not going to be there. Um, So you you need that support mechanism around you. And like you were saying earlier, a supportive employer or at least that flexibility if you work your own hours, which I kind of manage my own hours. So I can start as late as I want, but I'll work later into the evening. So I guess it's having those things set up to enable you to do it as well. Great. Claire, thank you very much for for your time i think you've inspired and given everyone lots to think of it seems a lot of hard work to get a discounted entry to an ironman event but i think <laughs> um you know those that want to do it it's uh, it's out there but no thanks for for sharing your your story and thank you to to the people who joined the call on on a sunday evening really appreciate it i know you've had busy weeks and you're all back in form full training mode and it's testing week next week so uh <laughs> you've all got a lot coming out, coming up ahead <laughs>